Design touches everything. The way we work, the way we live, and Boston's been at the center of it all. I'm Michael Coleman, and this is the Boston Design Cast. We're here to highlight the greater Boston design community and introduce you to designers who not only make great work, but who challenge what design can be today. This episode, we'll be speaking with Matthew Stumm from Stark Raving Branding and Digital Marketing. Stark Raving is a Boston-based branding and digital marketing agency that provides tailored, creative, and strategic solutions to strengthen brand awareness and engage customers. They combine agile strategies, high-impact creative, and the latest digital media solutions to create meaningful connections. They exist for brands with ambition, for innovative companies with breakthrough ideas and an amazing story. They would like to make something great together. So Matt, to get started, after leaving school, what were some of the things you were surprised to learn about the design industry that might've been glossed over? That's a good question. I think that, you know, going to art school and really focusing on design as an art form as opposed to a career um i mean where i went that was really the focus was to focus on your craft and your conceptual and design capabilities uh there wasn't a lot of focus on design as a business um you know what business problems we were solving for people uh what what it meant to be a designer for a company. Um, you know, how did, how did you make money doing this as a career? You know, you go into art school or, or into a design program with the, the mindset of, you know, you, you have a love and a passion for creating. Um, you have a passion for uh, working on the computer and using that as a tool for, you know, creating your artwork you really don't give much thought into, you know, <laughs> how you're going to make money when you come out of art school. Um, and then when you move into either an agency world or, or a, a firm or, you know, a smaller company, whether you're in-house or um, on the agency side, you quickly realize that, you know, what you do has an impact on your client's bottom line and that um, there's a lot riding on your work. You know, they really depend on you to create materials and visuals and concepts that are going to drive awareness and engagement. And it goes beyond just your own, you know, artistic vision for what you should be doing as a designer. You, you really start to learn that you have to take on your client's vision for their company and then use your skills and capabilities to 
translate that into materials that they can use to further their own business objectives. Some of the more successful designers or creative people that I've, I've ever worked with over my career have been people who take a genuine interest in what their clients are doing. Um, not only from you know the a product perspective or a company-wide perspective, but um, who really feel invested in working with their clients. Um, and the reason I say that I feel that they're very successful is because they they bring a, a an intangible to the table that clients really appreciate. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can design and there's a lot of incredible designers that can take, uh, you know, very little direction from a client and do something rather amazing with it. Um, but that, to me, that feels very transactional, right? You give me money, I make something for you, you go off and use it and I go off and pick up another job. Um, and I never really liked that approach. In, in the work that I did. I always liked the idea of being this kind of distant arm for a client, like a like an extension of a client, um, and really understanding who they are, what their objectives were as a business. Um, you know, it, 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 it makes a designer more valuable. Um, it makes a designer, um, you know, integral to the entire process, whether it's marketing um, or advertising, you know, the, the level of understanding that you bring to the table, the level of investment you have in a client, clients really pick up on that and they really appreciate it. Um, and I think that if you're a young designer coming up, the more you can do that, the more, the more repeat business you're going to be getting from these particular clients. When you were a young designer, how, what, what did your start look like? What was sort of the path that you took? Sure. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's unique for each designer, right? I think some people fall right into um, a place where they absolutely adore and the work is amazing and they get catapulted off into, you know, greatness. Um, you know, it's a, it's a dream scenario. And I think that um, you know, my path was, I really wasn't sure exactly what kind of design I wanted to do, whether it was more on the advertising side, more on the marketing side, you know, did I want to work for an agency? Did I want to work in house for somebody? Um, you know, so I, I tried a couple of things early on, um, you know, and I, my first real design job was with a small firm. And, you know, we worked across a number of different industries and I liked it very much. I thought it was, um, you know, in hindsight, I, I realized today that I learned so much from that first job by being around people who um, really, really took pride in the craft, really took pride in being a designer or being a creative person. I don't think I appreciated that much back then, like most young, you know, you know, employees do. They, you know, I had the ego, but in looking back, it was it was just like an amazing learning experience. Um, and I'm glad that I took that. You know, it was the 
um, it was the type of job where you were given license to do really whatever you wanted um, as long as it was effective and the client liked it. And, you know, it was a, it was a great start. Um, after that, I went off and started freelancing for a bit because I wanted to try that out. You know, and at the time, I just didn't know enough about the business to, to be able to sustain that. So I went um, back into direct marketing, which I really liked. I liked it a lot um, and worked for some really interesting clients. And, um, you know, like a lot of creative people, I bounced around. I tried a bunch of different things. I chased interesting clients that I wanted to work for. Um, yeah, but then I started to realize that, you know, there was work that, uh, I liked from a creative perspective and there's work that I liked from an intellectual perspective. And I think finding a balance between the two was really important to me at a, at a particular time in my career. And then I started working in healthcare and life sciences, which I felt really satisfied those two sides of my brain. Um, you know, I think that working in healthcare, working in life sciences, I think sometimes it gets a bad rap. Um, I f have found that it's probably the most intellectually challenging work that I've ever done. Um, and it's challenging from a creative side because the, the, the creativity in healthcare isn't always obvious and you really have to um, dig deep and practice your, your, your craft and practice um, concepting and push yourself beyond, um, you know, I think if you work in retail or travel or technology, and I've worked in all of those, not that they're easier, but with healthcare, it's, there's real people on the other side with real diseases and real conditions that you're speaking to. And you have to have reverence. You have to have uh, respect for them. Um, but you still want to give them something visually pleasing. Um, so I found that I really enjoyed that part of it um, and that, that industry. Working for healthcare companies and with the problem that you're trying to solve being a real tangible thing, like a disease or a condition, mm -hmm. can that sometimes be a bummer or a, you know, a damper on the mood? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think that when you work in it long enough, you start to realize that, um, one, it's not about you as a designer. It's really, as a designer, no matter what industry you work in, you provide a service. Um, and working in healthcare, you really start to feel like you're contributing, that you're putting your skill set um, and bringing that to the table. I mean, obviously, we're not doctors, we're not nurses, uh, we're not medical professionals or researchers, but we do have a skill set that is valuable in that industry. Um, and we do have an opportunity as creative people to explain incredibly complex medical and health related information to people who just want answers. And you know, so while you learn about a lot of these these conditions when you work on them, um, you know, it, it can it can weigh on you. But when you flip it, you start to realize that 
these people need help. We're in the communications business. Our job is to communicate to them what opportunities are. Um, and you realize that you're really providing people a service. So at the end of the day, you feel like you're making a contribution. Um, you know, it's a different feeling as opposed to, you know, selling sneakers or selling, you know, toothpaste or whatever. There's a certain, you know, validation in that too. But when you're working in healthcare, um, it's a very tangible thing at the end of the day that, you know, through a lot of our work, we speak to the doctors who do the work. We speak to the researchers. We speak to actual patients who have the diseases and conditions that we work in. They value what we do. Um, and I think that that's really refreshing. There's a term out there, mm -hmm. uh, design for good. Would you say yep. this sort of hits that mark? Yeah, I think I think that design for good um, can apply to a million different things. You know, there's a lot of good we bring to the table as creative people and as designers. Um, yes, designing for um, people who need, you know, therapies for life-threatening illness that is good. Designing. Um, a website for a small business who's really starting to take off and wants to grow, that's good too. Um, you know, I think that it's, it, it really is, um, you know, again, I think design can at face value just be beautiful things that you make for people. And I never really thought of it like that. It, it's really, um, it's really, a difference maker it really is um, and again the good can be translated across a number of different industries um, yeah but I think on the healthcare side if you're really good at healthcare design marketing and advertising it really stands out because I think that in that industry there's a a, a large group of it is just it's not well thought out. There's opportunities that have been missed creatively to inform the public of really breakthrough uh, treatment options for them. Um, so I think that designing for healthcare is for good. You know, why not? <laughs> you can cut that last part out. <laughs> oh, no, it's <laughs> <laughs> So talking about results and change that you can make, has there been a campaign or project that you've worked on that you saw real in real life the results of and sort of the ramifications of your work? Oh, absolutely. We, um, we worked with uh, a patient advocacy group for uh, – type one and type two diabetes. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of it in the news right now um, about healthcare access for people. And, you know, especially when you're living with diabetes, your access to insulin, it's a life-saving drug. 
and not everyone has the same amount of access or financial ability to get uh, the right insulin for them or insulin period. So we worked on a campaign um, that was really impactful. And the role of the campaign was to not only educate um, patients who had the condition on ways that they could get their medication for for free or for a discounted price or um, you know a, a better form of insulin that might work better for them, but we also worked with uh, developing materials for and a campaign that was directed towards employers and insurance companies to really drive change in the way that they managed this particular type of drug um, and ensuring that people who needed it had access. So we did that, we did a small campaign, really quick, couple months out in the, in the field, um, thousands and thousands of people responded, um, which felt great because we put out a lot of information and we did it in a way that was approachable, um, that was thoughtful, but it was also educational. Um, and the group that we worked with was incredibly excited about it. And this was, I would say it was about three years ago, and they're still running the campaign today. Um, they still use all the materials. It is what they call evergreen, so it, it lasts forever. Um, and they reference it in a lot of the work that they do. And not only did it help patients who needed this life-saving drug, but it also helped the advocacy group raise their profile amongst this community because they had materials that gave them a, a look of legitimacy. Um, you know, they're a very legitimate organization, but the materials made them look even more prominent in the community which then raised their profile and, you know, it was just, it was a double win. So to talk more about the business side of graphic design, mm -hmm. design can seem like a sort of like the dream job, like you said, where you're the lone artist creating masterpieces in your studio by yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think we all know it's often far from that. It's still a job. And in your case, it's, your business. How do you find a balance between everything? How do I find a balance between being creative and running a business? I, it's challenging. Um, you know, I think during the, the beginning of my career, it was, you know, like most people, my focus was do the best, most creative work possible, try to work with really high profile clients so that we had great budgets and great opportunity. Um, you know, and I did that and I loved it. Um, moving into running my own business, the thing I enjoy the most now is one, the, the creativity or the, the things that I learned as a designer working for other companies, I've translated that into how I run my own business now. Um, but there's a creativity to running a design firm or a marketing firm. Having worked in the industry, there's a lot of creative endeavors that I, that I truly loved, working with great clients and you know, being able to work on great campaigns with really creative people. 
And, you know, one of the things that I really valued out of all of that was it wasn't just the campaigns that I loved, but it was the creative people that I worked with that I loved. Um, so moving on and starting my own business, being an entrepreneur and an owner of a, a small firm is a creative endeavor unto itself, right? Um, there's a lot that I've learned over the years from the the people that I've worked for and worked with that I've applied to my company and the way I've structured it. I've also added in things that I appreciated um, over the years and the way I would like to be treated as a creative person. I've also tried to remove some of those things, some of those barriers that I felt were there for creative people to really be able to flex and do the best work possible. But how do you find the balance? Is It's funny now, having done this for over 20 years, you know, I find a lot of enjoyment and pride in working with young designers who come on board and giving them an opportunity to take what they've learned in school, take what they've learned at their first job, and really accelerate their their growth as a creative person. Uh, you know, so that's really one of the, like part of the foundation of why I started what I did was to give opportunity to people to really flex as a creative, to give them room to work, um, to give them guidance. And also what I really found valuable you know, especially toward like the middle of my career prior to starting my own company is teaching designers that design is a business and understanding the value of what you do, not only from a monetary perspective, but the value you bring to other people and really instilling in people that, that we don't make pretty things. We make strategic, creative materials and campaigns that make companies better. That's our job, right? And so that balance of, of running a business and having, you know, still that creative, the creative side, you know, it, it, gets, it gets supplemented by all the people that I work with and watching them crank out really cool creative ideas. So to contrast that, if money weren't an option or money weren't a factor, what would be a dream job for you? What would be your dream project? What would be my dream project? That's a really good question. Um, if money were no object and I could do whatever I wanted to do, um, I don't know. I don't know. I really like um, I really like the hard projects. I really like the projects that the answer isn't easy, um, that it takes a long time to get there, and there's this quick aha moment three hours before you have to present to the client, right? Um, so I don't really look at projects as like dream projects. I look at it more of of I I love the moment when you get it when you figured it out and you've unlocked the problem 
and you just start working like without thinking you're just you're just executing because it just starts flowing from you right like that to me is the dream to have projects that challenge me to a point where there's an aha moment and then I just go that you know they're they're sometimes good and they're sometimes bad but that moment is like it's so fleeting but it's so exhilarating when it happens forget it like that's why you do what you do So one thing I need to know is, you know, it's the name, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you come up with the name Stark Raving? That is a folklore. <laughs> I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a number of stories out there. Some of them true, some of them not. Um, but I think that, you know, when I was thinking of starting the company, I really wanted to have a name that was a little bit offbeat, um, you know, that was pretty distinct that made people made people kind of wonder who the heck we were um, and what we were up to. And you know, again, it's like capturing lightning in a bottle when you when you get the idea. And sometimes that idea comes from the weirdest uh, places. But yeah, so I threw around a million different names, and they all seemed pretty flat. Um, and uninspired and I was leaving a, a, a large healthcare advertising agency that I had a great job at and they were great people and everyone thought I was nuts for doing it. Um, and I said that to my kids that people thought I was crazy for leaving my job and starting off a, a new career um, and my own business. And my daughter said that, it's kind of like we were stark raving mad and I thought it fit perfectly. You know, I think that you have to be a little crazy to um, leave the security of a job and a regular paycheck and all those things that come with a job um, and go off and pursue uh, your own business. But I also think that it's the crazy ones that succeed um, because they have the guts to do it. So that's where the name came from. Very cool. I left off the mad part. <laughs> we just went to start raving. <laughs> mad may may have made it a little bit strange. Stark raving, a subsidiary of Mad Magazine. <laughs> but I will say this: it, you, I don't know if you're still recording this part, but you can add this in. It is the number one question we get from clients every single time, which says to me that it stood out to them. You know, I don't, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought when I named it that and I unveiled it because I didn't tell anybody what I was naming it. They thought it was the worst name in the world that we would never get business. And um, I don't think we've ever gotten a bad review of it. Um, maybe we just didn't get a phone call because of it, but um, but that's okay. Um, you know, but I think it, it also proves that from a creative perspective, you sometimes have to go with your gut and my gut said that was the right name. And if people didn't get it, they didn't get it. That's okay. But that's the story. Something that we ask everyone on the show 
why Boston? Why live or work here? Good question. Well, I, I'm from Philadelphia, born and bred. I'm always going to be from Philly, right? But I moved up here um, to go to the Art Institute of Boston. And I stayed here. I you know, graduated college. And um, I think Boston's art scene, you know, Boston's creative scene is very interesting to me. Um, you know, there's this great mix between small boutique design firms that are doing like some crazy, amazing work to mid-sized marketing agencies that are just so smart and um, creating on such a high level and, you know, punching so much over their weight, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're winning clients that you, you can't imagine why they're winning them. It's because they're doing amazing work. And then you have some of the biggest ad agencies in the world here, right? Um, so there's this weird kind of like ecosystem of, you know, whatever flavor you like, it's here. And that's really interesting to me. When I came out of school, there was very much a Boston style. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe I'm not in tune with it as much as I used to be, but um, I just really love that Boston style that was happening in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, which really just appealed to me. And I think that, um, you know, it, it just it just kept me here, right? I mean, among other things, you know, getting married, having children, all those things keep you where you are. But, you know, there, there's truly a love for Boston because um, there really is an appreciation for, for our business here. Um, it has this kind of like small city, big city feel that I like. Um, and I think that, you know, it's just, there's so many creative people here that go beyond just the arts that really stimulate you. Right. And, um, you know, whether it's food or, you know, breweries or, you know, museums or whatever the case may be, I think that the art and culture scene here um is really conducive to uh a young designer or creative person um setting roots here and building their career so what can you tell our listeners about stark raving branding and digital marketing uh where can we find you and what should we know well so that's right. So we're stock raving, branding, and digital marketing. Uh, we are located down at the Seaport on Congress Street. Been around for over three years now, uh, which has been great. You can find us online at starkravingboston.com. Um, what should you know about us is that we are a small group of very hungry, creative people who really get enjoyment out of, you know, being the little guy against the big guy and winning. And that's fun. Uh, we put out work that is as competitive as anybody else's. And really, we really have the sense of, of being entrepreneurs, 
um, as a collective group and as individuals. I really think that when I look at people coming in who are interested in working with us or for us, um, that's always something that I look for in people. Or do they have that mentality of, of, of being an entrepreneur and being willing to dig deep and to push themselves not only creatively, but help drive the business forward? Um, you know, I think one of the big things I'd like everyone to know and your audience to know, because I'm sure a large majority, if not all of you, are creative people, is that we're always looking. We're always looking for talented designers, writers, production, photographers, videographers, you name it. We're happy to to get to know you um, and we're happy to work with you. I think that, again, that really falls into one of the big reasons why I started the company was to find a nice balance between having very experienced people and people who are just coming up in their career. Um, giving them an opportunity to to have an environment where they can flex their creative muscle, learn a lot, and uh, make some really good stuff. Well, thank you for joining us, Matt. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the Boston Design Cast. Michael, I just want to thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to your audience. You know, hopefully um, what we talked about today resonated with everybody or with some people and um, look forward to doing it again. The Boston Design Cast is recorded at the Inno Lab at the Boston Public Library. Our sound is edited by Michael Coleman. Our music is by Jason Dean Egan. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at podcast at boston.aiga.org. And if you want to support this podcast, consider becoming a member of AIGA Boston by going to aiga.org slash join. All right, one more question. Uh, yeah, let her rep. Best Wu-Tang Clan member? Uh, God, Method Man, probably. The RZA, the Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspector Deck. Listen, they're all, they're all all-stars, but I have to go with Method Man because he's, he's a triple threat. He can act, he can sing, and he can rap. What do you want me to say? <laughs> you heard it here first folks <laughs>